pretty amazing. Um, JC warned me this was going to be a, a different one um, video. And I like the kids and all, and that's what gets you stirred up, you know. But um, today's teaching is about serving God till you die. Now, I didn't know he was going to play that, and JC didn't know the teaching was going to be about that. In fact, this is the one where we read about Joshua saying, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord until the day we die. You know? So I guess God's got something for us this morning, doesn't he? Um, so bring your boxes, bring whatever God puts on your heart, and just know, you know, he's watching and uh, he's pleased um, when we serve him like that. Gosh, I hope I'm 100 years old and I'm doing that, you know? Anyway, I have some announcements, but while before I give those, uh, the text today will be Joshua chapters 23 and 24. We'll finish up the book this morning. Some of the announcements are this Monday at the Pizza Ranch, uh, the Christian Motorcycle Association will be holding a fundraiser. In other words, they serve the tables um, for everybody that comes in and eats dinner there. Um, and, uh, and because they're doing the labor, then uh, the Pizza Ranch will then donate to Here My Ministries. That's David Spencer's ministry. So that's going on Monday. So if you don't have any dinner plans for Monday, there you go. Um, buffet pizza down there and, and they'll clear your table for you and everything and uh, every donation you bring but also they'll get a donation from Pizza Ranch that'll go to uh, David Spencer's Here My Ministries and uh, if you did have dinner plans you can change them because the pizza's always better than whatever you had planned right so that's this Monday down at Pizza Ranch what's that well we think four, five, six o'clock, seven o'clock. Um, I think, you know, dinner time would be fine. Five, five thirty, six through seven, I think. I, I don't know. They don't have the fly. They didn't have a flyer for me. It's just kind of a, uh, I, I'm, I, I gave you everything I had. So show up at 5.30, between 5.30 and 7.30, and I think you'll be fine. How's that? All right, and then we have new babies, Summer and Hubigo, of course. Their sign-up sheet's been out there, but their sign-up sheet for meals is, is out there and some blank spaces available if you're interested. In. Now, they're in Iowa, so all you do is you bring your like casserole or whatever here and put it in the freezer or in the refrigerator, whichever you want. And then David, uh, part of here in my ministries, he's the dad. He's Summer's dad. He'll take it up to Iowa for you so you don't have to deliver it to their house or anything. Um, Paul and Nanette Pankow have had their baby also, Jameson, and there's a sign-up sheet for them now. Um, it's just something that we do here every other day for a couple weeks. We uh, send a meal to them and, uh, and just a little, ease some of the burden of having a new baby in the house. So, uh, so there's two sign-up sheets for meals. Also, Financial Peace University, which starts in January. Um, we are doing sign-ups now for that. Um, and uh, and uh, um, we kind of need to order the materials and kind of have a head count for them um, soonish. So I just wanted to put that in your ear again, and um, I think we have four or five people signed up uh, so far, um, but if you want to sign up and you're thinking about doing that, um, it's a really good program, um, and that'll be starting in January, so that sign-up sheet's out there, and then Harvest Party. Um, we have events to sign up for if you want to help out. That's October 31st. That's a Wednesday night, so in lieu of our Bible study, we'll be having the Harvest Party 
Um, any candy donations you want to bring by, that'd be great too. We're going to fill up sacks of candy for the kids. Um, hay, we need bales of hay, and I know that's a tough ask right now since hay is hard to come by. Um, you'll get it back, kind of. I mean, it gets a little destroyed in the process, but not too bad if it's wrapped good. Um, so if you want to bring some hay, we'd love to have you know a bunch of hay bales out there for the kids to climb on. Um, and then other things, soups and, and working different things, all that sign-up sheet is out there. You can take a look at that on your way out the door. And that's it for uh, announcements, I think. Anything else that I'm missing? What is next? Yeah, prayer is next Saturday. This Saturday our, is an end-of-month prayer. Um, so if you want to come for that, that's at, from 7 to 8 a.m. here in the sanctuary uh, this Saturday. All right, let's get into God's Word here. Chapter 23 of Joshua, it's his farewell address. It's interesting that we had 2 Timothy on Wednesday. We finished that up, and that was Paul's last letter that he wrote um, to his uh, son in the faith, Timothy. And then um, now we have Joshua saying goodbye and encouraging. And of course, both of these men following God very closely, obviously. I mean, the book's written about them. Um, Men called by God to lead people. They're concerned as they pass away, as they know their time is close, um, that it continues. They know that it's not because of them, but they know that when that influence that God raised up in people's lives is gone, you hope that they can stand on their own two feet, you know? Uh, And that's all Paul's saying to Timothy in in 2 Timothy, please continue in what I've taught you. Don't fall away because there are so many that have. And same for Joshua, please don't fall away from the Lord. Um, Serve him as we've served him, as I've taught you to serve him, as I've exemplified it in my life. Serve him, you know. And so that is what these next two chapters are about. It says in verse 1, Now it came to pass a long time after the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies round about, that Joshua was old, advanced in age. And Joshua called for all Israel, for their elders, for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers, and said to them. So he gets all the leadership together. I want to talk to you guys. Um, People are going to be following you, you know, and I want you to get this last thing, uh, this encouragement, and I'm going to hold you accountable to this. Well, this rock is going to hold you accountable. You'll see that in a minute. But I want you to be accountable to your answer and your response to my request here. He says this, I am old, advanced in age, You have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. See, I've divided to you by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes from the Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off as far as the great sea westward. And the Lord your God will expel them from before you and drive them out of your sight. So you shall possess their land as the Lord your God promised you. Therefore because of all that, because you've seen it, be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the laws, the law of Moses, lest you turn aside from it uh, to the right hand or to the left. Unless you go among these nations, these who remain among you, you shall not make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not serve them nor bow down to them, but you shall hold fast to the Lord your God as you have done this day. That's our first break. I want you to know I'm old, he says. I've seen a lot of things, and you guys have seen a lot of things. I want you to remember the things that you've seen. That is our biggest problem, and I think, obviously, their biggest problem is to remember what God has done. 
we have short-term memory a lot of times. What, what has God done for me lately kind of thing? And um, if we're not content with the direction we're headed or the station that we are in life, sometimes we look for other means other than him to get to that place in our lives that we think we ought to be. We're not content. Um, and so he wants to warn them about that. God has done all these things for you. Remember what he's done for you and be content with where he has you. He's given you this land. He isn't giving you all the other land. He's giving you this land and it's a good land. He even gave him, he's going to talk about this in a minute. He's given you your, the cities. He's given you your vines, your, your everything. It's all been handed to you. You never had to work. You didn't build any of this stuff. You just moved in, you know, that's kind of nice. So I want you to remind them of that. You've seen this. It's been a witness or you've been a witness to God's strength. And because you've been a witness, I want you to be courageous. Not courageous to be a good fighter against these other nations. He's not asking them to not run from the enemy. He's asking them to be strong and courageous to keep and to do what's in the law of God. See, I wouldn't have thought that. I wouldn't, thought, I wouldn't think that it's, I need to be courageous to do God's will, or I have to be courageous to be obedient to God. It, it takes courage. Because others aren't. Uh, and, and, and so he knows that that's, that's our default, is to just kind of fall back and to be cowardly, and to fall back into old habits, or to do what's local. Um, to, to not, uh, nobody likes getting looked at funny. You know, nobody likes people to think ill of them or think funny things about them or whisper behind their back. Nobody. And if there's anything we can do to make that stop, we generally do it. But he's saying, I want you to be courageous and to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law. Because anything other than that is cowardly. So he calls for them to be courageous. It takes courage to stay the course. It's easy to start the course. I think everybody can uh, testify to that. You see the New York Marathon or the Boston Marathon. A lot of people start the course and they got their t-shirt. But you know, it's a long course. And the finish line, I don't know how many actually finish. I didn't, I should have looked it up before I came here, but I bet it's, I bet it's half actually finished that thing, if not worse than that. Because starting's easy, looking good, shooting right out of the box. You know, you see those guys out front, they have the dad bods still, you know, and they're running out in front of all these, you know, real marathoners and then they get their photo taken. They just kind of head off to Krispy Kreme, you know, and they get their donut and they're done. They get their coffee and they got their t-shirt and their five minutes of fame or two seconds of fame. Our race with Jesus, uh, this walk that we have with him, it's an enduring race. It takes time. It takes a long time. It's till we die. It takes courage to be a hundred years old and to continue to pack boxes, not knowing where they're going not knowing if they're actually being given to kids. I mean, they sh- certainly are, but that's not the point. The point is she's never seen the end result. She's just by faith doing what God's called her to do. And she's courageous to do that. And, and we need to be too. And he wants them to be. Be courageous. Don't turn aside to the right or to the left. Go straight. Stay straight. Because there's going to be nations among you, obviously. There's going to be other options. I mean, there aren't any other options, but there are other options. You can choose. You don't have to follow God. And I think that's Joshua's entire point in these two chapters. It is a choice as to whether you're going to follow God or not. You don't have to. And so he says, I want you to make that choice. I want you to follow them. I don't want you to even make mention of the names of the other gods. Just let that settle in a little bit. I don't want you to even talk about them. Don't give them any credibility because there is no credibility. 
We should learn from that in this day and age. I know I'm probably preaching to the choir here, but in this day and age where we don't want to offend anybody and we don't want to make anybody feel bad about the religion of their choice, well, if that's good for you, fine, but that's not good for me, fine. It's not fine. He doesn't even want us to make mention of them. And I say that because I want you to know God's opinion about this. This isn't just being tough and and trying to Christianize the entire world. This is God's opinion. I don't want any other name other than mine mentioned. That is his goal. And so it's not okay to let other people just go ahead and say that, or, or even off your own lips. Well, I know that that's real important to you and whatever works. We're all worshiping the same God. No, we're not. God makes it very clear in the Bible we are not worshiping the same God. I don't want any names of any other gods not even mentioned among you, nor cause anyone to swear by them. That'd be the next step. It's not good that we've got congressmen putting their hand on the Quran and swearing by it. It doesn't mean anything. It has no value in our nation. But we let it happen. And we elect them and need to be very careful about that. Um, no, absolutely not. No other God should be named, nor cause them to swear by them. You shall, not, you shall not serve them, nor bow down to them, but you shall hold fast to the Lord your God as you have done uh, to this day. I want you to hold fast. For the Lord has driven out from before you great and strong nations, but as for you, no one has been able to stand against you to this day. One man of you shall chase a thousand, for the Lord your God is he who fights for you, as he promised you. Therefore, take careful heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God. And that's what he's calling them to do. He's been talking about service, but the key here is I want you to love the Lord your God. Love him. Um, serving God is one thing, but loving God is where that comes from. You can't really serve God unless you love him. And if you do love God, you can't help but serve him. Um, in my position, in, in, a, in a teaching position, you have a tendency to look at, because all you can see is the outward, you don't know the heart of people. And so you watch their service to God because that tells you where their heart is. And sometimes, since that's all you can see, it's a temptation for pastors or teachers or anybody in, in authority or in leadership to try to encourage people to serve God more. You need to get out and serve God more. What they're really saying is, I wish you'd love God more. That's what they're trying to get. You can't do that. It doesn't work that way. Um, a teacher and a pastor or anybody, a Sunday school teacher, whatever, and this is, this is for everybody that ever teaches God's word to any, any child or any person. Your job is to tell them how much God loves them, how much grace he's given them, and you want them to, recipro you want them to respond to that and love him back. That's the starting point. Because um, when they do love him back, they can't help but serve him with their life. They, they choose to be obedient to him, not because of fear of fire, and although that's very real, and I'm not one to shy away from talking about hell, because that is the, that's the opposite of walking with God. That's your, that's your default. But if you want people to serve God in the way God wants us to, it starts off with you got to love him first. And the only way you're going to love him is if you know how much he loved you first. That's the whole point. And so we teach the love of God so that people respond 
with love. And when they respond with love, they can't help but serve. So I can make my kids clean off the table. Take your dishes to the table. Come on, take your dishes to the table. Do this, do that, do that. They can do whatever. Got to make them do it. Or they can love their mom and dad so much that they don't want their mom and dad to have to do so much work around the house and they respond by doing what they can do to make it easier on them. You see, you can bribe them with money, some chores for money, and that's fine. That's a work ethic. I understand where that comes from. There's time for that. But also, we all live in the same house. There's a lot of work to be done around here. And yeah, mom and I can do it all, or mom can do it all. I could sit back too. Or we can love each other enough that we want to make sure it's easier for everybody so that she's not standing in front of the kitchen and t- in front of the sink until 10 o'clock at night, you know, so that she can sit down and so on. That's the same way with the Lord. There's a lot of work to be done in God's kingdom. You know, and then he doesn't get tired. He's got broad shoulders and he can stand in front of the kitchen sink all day long and do it. He doesn't need us. But he'd like us to come alongside of him, maybe pick up a towel, you know, dry with him, be a part of it, that fellowship there. So he calls him to that. I want you to love him. Love the Lord your God. Or else, if indeed you do go back, he says in verse 12, and cling to the remnant of these nations, if you choose to not follow God, but follow these other gods, these that remain among you and make marriages with them and go into them and they to you. In other words, you're having children by them. Know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps to you, and scourges on your side and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Just as sure as God is able to take you through all this land and conquer all these people and, and be your warrior, he's also willing to do the opposite. And you can take that to the bank, and, and that's important for me to remember as well. It isn't like God's just going to do good all the time, and, and otherwise he just takes his hands off my life, which is essentially what it looks like, but then bad things come in. But he's also willing to teach me a lesson that no, 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 to follow after that God, it looks like this and feels like this. And he'll let you feel that. In fact, the nation of Israel does that. And the Assyrians take them captive. And the Babylonians take them captive. And they know what it's like to worship and serve these other gods who are now their masters. And so he warns them about that. He'll stop. It isn't automatic. God isn't just required to bless us constantly. There are things that Seeds that we plant that will bear fruit. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.14, it's the love of God that compels him. And then he says in 1 Corinthians 13, it's all about love. You can't do anything without love. And bring us back to that because I don't want us to obey God because we're afraid the other shoe's going to drop or, you know, these other nations, or we won't have victory in our lives. That is a fact. But he wants us to love God because we love him, and then because we love him, we serve him. That's the idea. He says, behold, this day I am going all the way of the earth, or uh, in the way of all the earth. And you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing has failed of all good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. 
all have come to pass for you. Not one word of them has failed. Therefore, it shall come to pass that as all good things have come upon you, which the Lord your God promised you, so the Lord will bring upon you all harmful things until he has destroyed you from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. When you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and have gone and served other gods and bowed down to them, then the anger of the Lord will burn against you, and you shall perish quickly from the good land which he has given you. The land is intended to be occupied by those who love him. All the land of Canaan was given 400 years to repent of their sin and turn to him, but they didn't. And so Israel was moved into that position as long as they love him and obey him. But the land is his. That's the same for us in our country. This land was given to us because it was a group of people that loved him, maybe imperfectly, maybe didn't have a great handle on a lot of doctrine sometimes, but they did in a lot of ways. And then who knows what's true anymore as far as history goes. You know, they probably were solid, Bible-believing, loving Jesus people. Um, and God gave them the land. And it'll be our land, and we'll be able to occupy here as long as we're in that place, as long as we're there loving him. But this land is for him. Um, it's not here for us. It's for him. And so we want our country to stay that way and that's why we elect officials that love Jesus. They need to love the Lord. Um, they need to love God. So vote. <laughs> November 6th. Vote. And vote that way. Um, I can't tell you who to vote for. Although I don't care, I will tell you who to vote for. I don't care. They can have my 501c3. That makes no difference at all. I think you know, though. Um... Vote November 6th. Don't stay home. This is pivotal. We got a reprieve. We got a break. We're moving in the correct direction now. Um, vote. Definitely vote. If you're not registered, I think it's too late, isn't it? Passed. Well, you're in big trouble now. Because I'll be standing there at the polls. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> All day long. <laughs> you need to vote. All right, chapter 24. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel. So now he's talked to the leadership. That was chapter 23. Now it's everybody. To Shechem and called for the elders of Israel, for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. So now they're standing before the Lord. Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord God of Israel. So this is a quote from God. Your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, the father of Naor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river, led him through all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his descendants, and gave him Isaac. To Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. Pay attention to this. To Esau I gave the mountains of Seir to possess. Esau's descendants get Seir. That's it. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. Also, I sent Moses and Aaron, and I, I plagued Egypt according to what I did among them. Afterward, I brought you out. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. So they cried out to the Lord, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, brought the sea upon them and covered them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. And you dwelt in the wilderness a long time, and I 
brought you into the land of the Amorites who dwelt on the other side of the Jordan, and they fought with you. But I gave them into your hand uh, that you may possess their land, and I destroyed them from before you. Then Balak, or Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose to make war against Israel and sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Therefore, he continued to bless you. So I delivered you out of his hand. Then you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho, and the men of Jericho fought against you. Also the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, but I delivered them into your hand, all of them. Now, I, I don't want to spend too much time there. It was just a narrative of their history, but I just think it's funny. All he writes about Joshua, and we spent a long time in the wilderness. I think I would have expounded on that a little bit, you know, but he doesn't, so I won't. <laughs> It's hard not to. Verse 12. I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out from before you, also the two kings of the Amorites, uh, but not with your sword or with your bow. I have given you a land for which you did not labor and cities which you did not build, and you dwell in them. You eat of the vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. Honestly, I don't know what that's like. I mean, I in the sense that I've never moved to a place and, and, oh, look, there's just a house open and I just kind of moved in. But I tell you what, I was born into it. I was born into a country that's been built, you know? And I think about those men. I watched a, a little short clip on these guys building the skyscrapers in New York back in the day, you know, when the Chrysler building was built. That was the first, the first building to breach 1,000 feet, man-made structure. About. These guys are using ropes and there's one guy, have you ever seen the eagle's beaks that stick out the corners of the Chrysler building? These big steel eagles, if you, let's see, what movie was that? Maybe that'll help you. He walks out on the edge of it and jumps off. It's probably Batman or something like that. I don't know. But anyway, there's these huge eagles on the four corners of this thing. And they're made of metal. And there's some guy with a rope around him with his feet against the side of the building holding the tip of the beak going like this. And it's like thousand feet down. And he's out there doing this, and there's some guys pulling, and sometimes it slips, and the guy goes like this. I'm like, those guys got some grit, you know? I don't care how much that paid. That's a tough job, you know? And I hope this knot is right, you know? Who tied this anyway? Bob, you got me, right? Yeah, I got you, Bob. Or, you know, they're probably all Bob. I don't know. Uh, you know, we moved. I was born into a country that was made is built. Some of you have farms. Some of you have started farms. Good for you. Some of you were born into it. Third, fourth generation farmers. It's been built. That's kind of the way I look at this in a way, because I've never had to, but I moved into a country that's been built. And it's a blessing from God. And it's my job and my responsibility to maintain that. What caused this to be built like this? What caused this to thrive in a world that isn't thriving everywhere? Is it luck? Was it just greed? Or is it blessing because of obedience to God? And can any nation have this that's obedient to God? And it can. Everywhere the gospel is preached, illiteracy drops. And literacy rises, you know. So do the economics. They rise. It's amazing what happens when Christ is preached because there's freedom and there's liberty and people are made to do and allowed to do what they were created to do by God, to be individuals, 
to not work for the mass, to not work like a colony of ants, but to be entrepreneurs and to be individuals and to be go-getters. And you don't have to be a go-getter if you don't want to, but you don't eat. Or you can be a go-getter and you can eat all you want and give away some of it if you want to, your choice. We've been born into this. And it's our responsibility to maintain it and to walk with the Lord. I did, verse 12, though, before we move on, is just, I sent, hornet before, I sent the hornet before you. Wouldn't that be a frustrating way to lose a battle? You're all ready, you're all geared up, you've trained your whole life for this, and all of a sudden just a bunch of hornets come and you just run for your life because you're getting stung? You ever seen, I've seen the toughest guys run. You guys probably been watching that hornet flying around here. I don't know what it is. Satan just sends one hornet every Sunday. And he just comes in from the outside, gets up in there, and then finds his way through one of the lights. The heat turns on, and they don't like it. And they come down, and they just move slowly. And everybody's eyes is just like this the whole time. The hornets, um, God will use anything towards our enemies. He, you didn't, he says that. You guys didn't even have to get your bow or your sword out. The hornets drove them away, you know? Our God can do anything. So just when you think I'm not strong enough or I don't have enough resources or whatever it may be that's keeping us from having victory in this area, God will just send some hornets. You'll be all right if he wants to. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. Because why? Because you love him. Sincerity is very important when serving God. You're not doing it for man. You don't want to be seen. You're not looking for approval. You're not looking for a station or a position. There's no hierarchy. This isn't the world. We're not climbing a ladder. If today's the day I clean toilets, today's the day I clean toilets. If today's the day that I teach the Bible, today's the day I teach the Bible. It makes no difference at all what you do. Just do it with sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river in Egypt. Serve the Lord! Exclamation point. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose. It's a very important word to circle. It's a choice. God gives us a free will. For those of you who don't think you have one, you do. It's not predestined. You're not pre-programmed. He tells them today, if you think it's evil to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your father, fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's where that quote comes from. That's usually all we write down. Probably should have that word choose on that plaque somewhere though in our home. Because every kid's got to make a choice. Everybody in that house has to make a choice. Every single day they have to make a choice whether they're going to serve God or not. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's not, a, that's not an option for his house. Oh, we're serving God. I'm not going to do anything else. Um, there's a baby shower going on in Utah that we're not going to be able to make. Um, Seth's wife, Haley, is going to have a baby. Um, baby's name is Charlotte. We got everything, got all the data we need. Just don't know the width and height and the weight yet. Um, we'll know that December 15th or around there. But there's a baby shower that we're going to miss. And so I, there was a this is for you guys. You guys have to learn from my mistake here. There was a card that the girls are getting together to send out there for the baby shower. Guys, you don't sign that card. I signed the card. I wrote this big, I saw Jenny say, it's all laying out. This is what we do. We lay down on the counter and everybody comes by. It's a birthday card. We all go through and sign it. There's like 27 people in our house. So you're all signing it. You fill the thing up. And I saw it. And so I start writing in it like I always do. 
And uh, I heard Jenny say, yeah, come on, Mariah, you need to sign this. All, all the girls are going to sign the card. So was that a subtle rebuke there? Anyway, I signed the card. I said, I can show up in a dress. I'll sneak into that party and have a great time. But one of the verses I put on there that I, I was looking up verses on, on kids, not the typical ones. There's, there's a lot of good ones. This is one I hadn't seen, Isaiah 44. Um, and I'm going to read it to you. Um, it's a really... I mean, I, of course I've read it, I've taught it, but you know how some things just don't stick. You kind of gloss over them, you circle everything around that one verse, but you don't say, circle that verse. This is one, I guess I'd never, never got into my head or my heart. And it's at the beginning of Isaiah 44, and it has to do with you and your house serving the Lord. It says this, yet hear me now, start in verse one, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen, thus says the Lord who made you and formed you from the womb, who will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and you, uh, Jeshurun, uh, whom I have chosen. Here's the part. For I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. They, the descendants and the offspring, will spring up among the grass like willows by the watercourses. One of these offspring or kids will say, I am the Lord's. Another will call himself by the name of Jacob. Another will write with his hand, the Lord's. Um, and, and King James actually says, write on his hand, uh, the Lord's. And name himself by the name of Israel. All decisions. Your offspring, I'm going to pour out my spirit for sure, but every one of your kids is going to say, I'm the Lord's, I'm the Lord's, I'm the Lord's. It's a choice, you know, that your kids make. And so that was a scripture I put down there because as God pours out his Holy Spirit upon the, uh, the second young Dirks family in Utah, my prayer is that each one of their kids rises up and is raised in, in such a way that they choose to follow God also, that they call themselves by God's name. It's a choice we make. Um, and we need to choose each day whether we're going to serve or not, him. So the people answered and said, far be it from us. So here's their response to Joshua's challenge. We're going to serve the Lord. Are you? So the people answered and said, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us up, brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwelt in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. And right there in that verse here, he writes, uh, the Lord, which is his name, Yahweh or Jehovah. We don't exactly know how it's pronounced. But then he also gives him the title, he's our God. So Jehovah is our God. Yahweh is our God. But Joshua said to the people, here's his response. Okay, yeah, you said it. Here's what he says back. You cannot serve the Lord. For he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and, and do you harm and consume you after he has done you good. It's almost like he doesn't believe him. Are you sure? Because you can't serve him if you're not going to follow him. If you're not going to obey him, you're going to worship other gods. And the people respond, no, but we will serve the Lord. They're emphatic. It's good. He's just leaning in saying, what did you say? He said, you're going to serve God? I don't think you can. Especially if you go after these other gods, like, you're, you know, he's kind of giving them a hard time. And their response was, we're going to serve the Lord. 
because you need that fire in your gut. You need that courage. We're going to follow the Lord. Are you sure you're going to follow the Lord? Yeah, we're going to follow the Lord. You know, it's a, it's a building thing. He's not, he's just an old guy that's like, you know what, don't tell me it. You better mean it if you say it, and I want to see it, you know. No, but we will serve the Lord, exclamation point. They all shouted. They didn't like the way he said that. They didn't like the idea of him not, of God not being their God, as Joshua put it. No, we will serve the Lord. So Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve him. I heard you. You heard yourself. You shouted it twice. It's done. And they said, we are witnesses. Yep, agreed. So the contract's been signed. That's how they do contracts back then. Now, therefore, he said, put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. Just like a third time he said that. Somebody's got it in their backpack. Someone's got it in their tent. Now put away those foreign gods. Don't even be thinking about those other gods. Get rid of those things. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God, we will serve. And his voice, his voice, we will obey. There it is again, the Lord our God, Jehovah is our God. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made for them a statute, uh, a statute and an ordinance uh, in Shechem. Then Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. And he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness to us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord which he spoke to us. It shall therefore be a witness to you, lest you deny your God. So Joshua let the people depart, each to his own inheritance. Kind of funny to write that. That a stone's going to be a witness. It's heard everything. Okay. You know, it's a rock. Turns out, everything that's ever been said, every vibration of our voices is picked up by everything around us and it continues to echo that re and reverb back. They can find that echo. So apparently every single rock out there that you've ever talked around is actually like a recording device. It actually holds it in a very subtle way, obviously. I mean, you can't put it up to your ear and say, yeah, there it is. I mean, uh, it's not like that, but it is. It's, it's moving in a different way now. So when it says that the rocks will cry out, if I told, the, remember when Jesus, they said, be quiet, tell your guys to be quiet. Quit saying Hosanna. Quit, quit, quit having them praise you as you're coming in on the donkey. He says, if they were to tell them to be quiet, the rocks would cry out. There's a lot about that. It's interesting. So just when you thought that you were getting by with something, when that verse says that everything will be, everything that's ever been said or thought will be shouted from the mountaintop, all those mountains are just going to start vibrating everything you've ever said, you know. Interesting stuff. You can look it up. It's, you can Google it. It's there. It's not just me. I didn't, I didn't make it up. So when he says this rock's a witness and heard everything, I don't think that's what he meant, but it's true. It did. And it's echoing it back. Now it came to pass after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him within the border of his inheritance in Timnah, Sarah which is in the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gash. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had known all the works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. So it went a generation. It didn't last, but it went a generation. The bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel had brought up out of Egypt, they buried in Shechem. Remember Joseph, that was his request while he was still alive? Hey, 
don't bury me in Egypt. When you guys get out of here, and you will get out of here, take me with you. They did. And they brought him out. They brought him out and they buried him in Shechem in the plot of ground which Jacob had bought uh, from the sons of Hamar, the father of Shechem, for 100 pieces of silver and which had become an inheritance of the children of Joseph. Now that's way back in Genesis 33, 19 is when that took place, when that was bought. Amazing. And Eliezer, the son of Aaron, died. They buried him in a hill belonging to Phinehas, his son, which was given to him in the mountains of Ephraim. So everybody's there. They all made it. And that's where we close today. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for Joshua's faithfulness um, all the way through his life. He is uh, he's someone that he never faltered. It's never documented anyway. Um, never failed. Loved all, all the people. Um, when he heard that noise down in the camp, he thought it was a noise of war and he wanted to go protect them like a shepherd. And Only Moses and God knew that it was a, a noise of rebellion, but not for Joshua. He just, love believes all things. He was a shepherd of shepherds. Thank you for him and uh, his testimony to us. God, we want to be like that. All the way to 110, God. Help us to give you 100% all the way to serve you. Not because we have to or because we're afraid. Although we do have a healthy fear of you like a, like a father. We want to serve you because you've loved us and we love you too. So God, help that to grow. Um, not our service, but our love for you. And then out of that love, naturally, service will come. Obedience will come, um, serving you and helping you in any way we can, being your hands and feet on this earth. That'll that'll come naturally. We want that. So thank you for loving us and taking care of us and giving us such a great land to dwell in, the, such a wonderful heritage that we've been born into. God, help us to keep it, Lord, to keep it yours, and to glorify you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Have a good rest of the day, guys. If you need prayer before you go, be glad to pray with you before you leave.